Pope Francis has become a, uh, I don't want to exaggerate, it's become a, uh, someone who's provided great solace for my family when my son died. He has, uh, he is, in my view, uh, um, there's always been this debate in the Catholic Church, uh, going back to Pope John the 23rd, um, that uh, talk about how we uh, reach out and uh, embrace people with differences. If you notice what, well, what what the Pope said when it was asked when he first got elected Pope, he was traveling with the press, and they said, what's your position on homosexuality? I said, who am I to judge? This is a man who is of great empathy. He is a man who understands that part of his uh, Christianity is to reach out and to forgive. Um, and uh, so I just find my relationship with him one that I personally take great solace in. He is a really, truly, genuine, decent man. That was President Joe Biden, October 31st, 2021, at a press conference in Rome. He was discussing his meeting two days earlier with Pope Francis at the Vatican. Although Catholicism has long been one of America's largest religious groups, one in five U.S. adults are Catholic, according to the Pew Research Center, Joe Biden is only our second Catholic president. John F. Kennedy was the first. But popes have been part of America's politics for a long time. Joe Biden's visit with the pope marked the 31st meeting between a pope and a president since 1919, spanning six popes and 14 presidents. And whenever the pope meets with a president there seems to be some kind of history being made. In this episode of C-SPAN's podcast, The Weekly, we'll explore the history of popes and presidents and politics after this. On October 6, 1979, when Jimmy Carter was president, John Paul II became the first pope to visit the White House. Less than a year later, on August 14, 1980, Pope John Paul II made a different kind of appearance with President Carter. The Pope got this mention in Jimmy Carter's nomination acceptance speech at the Democratic Convention. The new Republican leaders oppose our human rights policy. They want to scrap it. They seem to think it's naive for America to stand up to freedom and for freedom and democracy. Just what do they think we should stand up for? the former political prisoners who now live in freedom if we should abandon our stand on human rights. Ask the dissidents in the Soviet Union about our commitment to human rights. Ask the Hungarian Americans. Ask the Polish Americans. Listen to Pope John Paul II. Ask those who are suffering for the sake of justice and liberty around the world. Ask the millions who fled tyranny if America should stop speaking out for human principles. The next Democratic president also met with Pope John Paul II several times. Here's President Bill Clinton on October 4th, 1995, welcoming Pope John Paul II to America at his Newark, New Jersey arrival. This is our third opportunity to visit. I look forward to our discussion, and I am grateful that your voice for peace and hope and for the values that support every family and the family of humanity. On this, your fourth visit to our nation, 
You will see an America striving to build on our ideals of peace and charity, justice and tolerance. When you visit the United Nations and you speak to the General Assembly, you will be retracing the steps of Pope Paul VI in his visit to the United States, which began 30 years ago this day. He became the first pontiff to visit our beloved country when he spoke to the United Nations in the name of peace. Pope John Paul II also met with Republican President George W. Bush. On June 4, 2004, during a visit to the Vatican, President Bush presented the Medal of Freedom to the Pope. Later that month, back in the White House, President Bush reflected on Pope John Paul II. Here's President Bush at the June 23, 2004 Presidential Medal of Freedom Awards with representatives of the Pope in attendance. Three weeks ago, it was my honor to visit Vatican City and present the Medal of Freedom to Pope John Paul II. We're honored that His Holiness is represented here today by Archbishop Montalvo. We're also pleased that the Archbishop of Washington, Cardinal McCarrick, is with us. For nearly 26 years as Supreme Pontiff of the Roman Catholic Church, he has been one of the great voices for good in the world, guiding the souls of the faithful and sometimes guiding history itself. From his days as a young seminarian to this very hour, he's been a foe of tyranny, a minister of true authority, and a person of great wisdom and kindness and moral courage. The world is far different and far better because this son of Poland has occupied the chair of St. Peter. Pope John Paul II died a year later, April 2, 2005. Here's President Bush that day. All popes belong to the world. But Americans had special reason to love the man from Krakow. In his visits to our country, the Pope spoke of our providential constitution, the self-evident truths about human dignity in our declaration, and the blessings of liberty that follow from them. It is these truths, he said, that have led people all over the world to look to America with hope and respect. Pope John Paul II was himself an inspiration to millions of Americans and to so many more throughout the world. We will always remember the humble, wise, and fearless priest who became one of history's great moral leaders. We're grateful to God for sending such a man, a son of Poland, who became the Bishop of Rome and a hero for the ages. John Paul II was the first pope to visit the White House. The second, Pope Benedict XVI. On April 16, 2008, it was the pope's 81st birthday, which President Bush, meeting his second pope as president, noted in his welcoming remarks. Holy Father, Laura and I are privileged to have you here at the White House. We welcome you with the ancient words commended by St. Augustine. Pox Tecum, peace be with you. You've chosen to visit America on your birthday. 
Well, birthdays are traditionally spent with close friends. So our entire nation is moved and honored that you have decided to share this special day with us. We wish you much health and happiness today and for many years to come. This is your first trip to the United States since you ascended to the chair of St. Peter. You will visit two of our greatest cities and meet countless Americans, including many who have traveled from across the country to see with you and to share in the joy of this visit. Here in America, you'll find a nation of prayer. Each day, millions of our citizens approach our maker on bended knee, seeking his grace and giving thanks for the many blessings he bestows upon us. Millions of Americans have been praying for your visit, and millions look forward to praying with you this week. The next pope became the third pontiff to pay a visit to the White House. From September 23, 2015, here's President Barack Obama welcoming Pope Francis. So on behalf of the American people, it is my great honor and privilege to welcome you to the United States of America. Today we mark many firsts. Your Holiness, you've been celebrated as the first Pope from the Americas. This is your first visit to the United States. And you are also the first pontiff to share an encyclical through a Twitter account. President Biden met with Pope Francis President Obama did, too. And so did President Trump. In fact, Donald Trump's first trip overseas as president included a visit to the Vatican, where he met Pope Francis. President Trump reported on his trip during his June 3, 2017, weekly address. From Saudi Arabia, I traveled to Jerusalem, where I reaffirmed the unbreakable bond between the United States and Israel. There, I prayed at the Western Wall, visited the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and was awed by the majesty of that sacred land and the perseverance of the Jewish people. I also traveled to Bethlehem, another ancient city of wonder, where I met with Palestinian leader President Abbas. Both President Abbas and Prime Minister Netanyahu assured me they are ready to reach for peace. From Israel, I traveled to Italy, where Melania and I were greatly honored to visit the Vatican and meet Pope Francis. He was really wonderful, a great guy. So far, we've heard from presidents. Time to hear from a pope. In fact, let's let a pope have the final word with a helping of Congress history. Pope Francis addressed a joint session of Congress on September 24, 2015. You already heard President Obama welcome him the day before. He was the first pope to address Congress. Joe Biden, then vice president, sat behind Pope Francis. So did John Boehner, who was House Speaker then. Three paragraphs into his speech, Pope Francis pointed out one of the 23 marble relief portraits which hang over the gallery doors of the House chamber. They depict historical figures noted for their work in establishing the principles that underlie American law. They were installed when the chamber was remodeled in 1949. One of those portrayed is a pope, Innocent III, a medieval pope and a student of canon and civil law. 
But Pope Francis didn't mention him. And neither did he point out the other pope portrayed in the house chamber, Gregory IX, also a medieval pope who was instrumental in maintaining the remnants of Roman law. Instead, at the beginning of his appeal to Congress to work toward the common good and for the dignity of all people, Pope Francis took note of the portrait in the center, looking directly at the speaker, Moses. Unlike the 22 other relief portraits, which depict their subject's profile, Moses stares straight ahead. The architect of the Capitol describes Moses as Hebrew prophet and lawgiver, transformed a wandering people into a nation, received the Ten Commandments. And that's whom Pope Francis discussed when he addressed Congress. In fact, he raised his hand and pointed directly at the biblical lawgiver, looking right at him. Yours is a walk which makes me reflect in two ways on the figure of Moses. On the one hand, the patriarch and lawgiver of the people of Israel symbolizes the need of people to keep alive their sense of unity by means of just legislation. On the other, the figure of Moses leads us directly to God and thus to the transcendent dignity of the human being. <laughs> Moses provides us with a good synthesis of a work. You are asked to protect by means of the law the image and likeness fashioned by God on every human life. One postscript, we mentioned that then House Speaker John Boehner sat behind Pope Francis next to Joe Biden during this historic address to Congress. Well, the next day, September 25th, 2015, Speaker Boehner made his own bit of congressional history. He announced his resignation from Congress, and he mentioned the Pope. And so my goal was to leave at the end of this year. So I planned, uh, actually, on my birthday, November 17th, uh, to announce that I was leaving at the end of the year. Uh, but uh, it's become clear to me that uh, this prolonged leadership turmoil uh, would do uh, irreparable harm to the institution. Uh, so this morning, I informed my colleagues that uh, I would resign from the speakership and resign from Congress at the end of October. Now, as you've often uh, heard me say, uh, this isn't about me. It's about the people. It's about the institution. Uh, just yesterday, we witnessed uh, the awesome sight of uh, Pope Francis addressing uh, the greatest legislative body in the world. And I hope that uh, we will all uh, heed his call to live by the golden rule. Uh, but last night, last night, I started to think about this. And uh, this morning, I woke up and I said my prayers, as I always do. And I decided, you know, today's the day I'm going to do this. As simple as that. That's it for this episode of C-SPAN's The Weekly. A reminder that you can do your own searches in the C-SPAN video library. Look for popes. Look for other religious figures. Look for anyone you want. All for free. Just go to cspan.org and use the search bar on top. Thank you for listening and happy searching. Thank you.